What is it that separates winners and losers? And crucially, can you do anything about it? You're listening to The Profit Margin with First Trust Bank. Hello there. Welcome to The Profit Margin with me, Naomi McMullen and Jamie DeLarge. This week, we're talking to Ashley Merriman, a New York Times bestselling writer who's co-authored a book called Top Dog, all about the science of winning and losing. She believes she can help anyone get mentally tough enough to compete in a way that suits them. Over Skype, I asked her, what's the core difference between people who are successful compared to those who aren't? Well, you know, I think everyone thinks that winners win all the time. And I actually, I don't think so. So I think what really makes the winner over time is seeing that the benefit of competition is improvement and realizing it can take a long time to get good at something, but that's not seen as something frustrating, but it's actually empowering. And the focus is about problem solving and learning from experiences so that you're ready for the next thing. It's not about the box score on any given day. It's about that long-term continual improvement. Losers just give up and get frustrated. So you're talking about a psychological shift almost. Is that key? Oh, absolutely. Um, If you think about it, everyone at the Olympics is an Olympian. They know their sport. They know their abilities. But only one goes home with the medal, right, in a particular race. You know, at least the gold medal, obviously. But so what's going on there? And actually, 72% of the difference between one elite performer's performance in a moment and the next, 72% is psychophysiological variables. How are they feeling that day emotionally, physically? How are we structuring the competition so that they feel like we're judging their successes or we're judging their mistakes and their failures? So all of that actually in the moment is what really is going to define our success. Once we've got the skills, it's all of the other stuff that really makes the difference. So your biology essentially responds to your thought processes. Absolutely. And these aren't small differences. The difference between stressed and excited is an additional two liters of blood pumping out of your heart above baseline per minute. These are huge differences. I mean, Olympic athletes, when I tell them that, are just freaking out. Um, In a stress situation or a, a challenge, really, when you think, I can succeed your heart rate variability improves, your blood vessels actually expand, allowing more blood circulation, you get a boost of testosterone, you get a boost of adrenaline. In a threat state, your vessels actually tighten, your heart rate goes up. So it's in a threat state when you hear ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom in your ears, that's a threat state. Uh, You get more cortisol and more noradrenaline versus adrenaline. So absolutely, the psychological has physiological consequences. When we think of competition, a lot of people instinctively think about athletes and sports Mm -hmm. people. One of the interesting things in your book is about home advantage, but that also can spill over um, into the office, having home advantage in your office. Just explain how that works. Um, Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I tell my friends now, if you're asking for a raise in your, um, from your boss, make sure the meeting is in your office, not his. And they look at me and they're like, nobody gets to negotiate a raise in their office. And I've said, exactly. 
because the boss has home field advantage. You have to go to him. And the research has actually found that it's pretty much instantaneous. And it's a sense of evolutionary territorialism. It's mine, not yours. And once I stake out this claim, then I fight harder for it. I'm more passionate. I'm more committed. And the newcomer respects that. I mean, if you go to the a movie theater and you sit there and you're like, oh, wait, I need to go up and, you know, get a drink and some popcorn and you come back and someone's sitting in your seat, right? And you just stand there. You don't even need to say anything. You just stand there and look at them. Most time they go, oh, I'm sorry, is this your seat? And they leave. Well, it wasn't your seat, right? You're just there for, you know, 20 minutes. So we actually respect home field advantage. And in experiments uh, by a British researcher, Gordon Brown, he's found that having home field advantage can double or even triple the amount of money that you get from a negotiation. So if you can't have it in your office, go to a neutral place. And if you have a lunch meeting somewhere, get there first sit at the table, don't wait at the door and learn your server's name and sort of mess around the stuff on the table so it looks like you've been there forever. That will actually change the entire meeting. And what do people do, do you think? If somebody listening to this is in a business and perhaps they have a presentation coming up and they're really worried that they'll just start to panic, what would you Mm -hmm. advise them to do then to calm down? Well, the first thing is... Uh, research of actually British Olympians and especially gold medal champions asked them, you know, how do you come back from failure? How do you approach things? And the mentally tough rehearse mentally what they're going to do. And they don't think of this in sort of a happy unicorns and rainbows. It'll be all wonderful. They think, okay, well, if he looks like he's checking his phone, how am I going to respond? If she's not paying attention, what's this? If I forget, how do I look at my notes? So you anticipate the problems beforehand so that when they come up in the moment, you're not so thrown because you already have, you've done this before mentally. The other thing most that's really important is, you know, what's your goal? A young woman who I mentor and advise called me and she was really nervous. She had her very first job interview. And I said, well, I can't promise that you're going to get the job because I don't know what you're interviewing for. I don't know who your competition is. Um, But what I can do is I can say you're going to learn from this experience and you're never going to have to have another first job interview of your life. So go in thinking that. How can you be engaged? How can you learn? And so I gave, I helped her develop a goal where she knew she would be successful. So that's what you need to do. You need to think, because when we get in a threat state is the goal, it seems like no matter what we do, we might not succeed. And then our body panics. We go, oh my God, how terrible is this going to be rather than focus on success? So you want to focus on small goals that aren't so easy, it's a given. You're still going to have to work for it. But a small goal, and then when you come close to achieving that, then you do the next one. So your stressed entrepreneur giving a presentation, all he has to do is start with by introducing himself and making sure that the PowerPoint works, right? And that could be the biggest obstacle. And if it doesn't, what are you going to do if the PowerPoint doesn't work? Um, once you And then, okay, I've made it through my first slide. The next section of the speech is this. So you're rolling out 
constantly those different pieces, but it never feels like it's something you can't succeed at. You always believe you have a chance of success. Ashley Merriman there. I put in that question in the end about public speaking. It's something I think a lot of people do struggle with. So hopefully you find that advice useful. You're listening to The Profit Margin with First Trust Bank. Now, business improvement districts. What do you really know about them? For starters, they're known in shorthand as a bid. Belfast has one. The businesses in the area had to vote on it. That means they pay an extra levy on top of business rates to fund initiatives. The aim is to promote and improve the city centre, drive more footfall in and make the area more profitable. Jamie caught up with Chris Souter from Souter's Menswear. He's the chairman of the Belfast Bid and Claire Maguire, the MD of the Bid Group, to find out how it's been going. Claire, the bid concept has taken some time to bed down in Northern Ireland. Can you explain the history and and, and why perhaps it, it it's been a slow burn? Well, Jamie, the bid the bid concept, I suppose, is fairly new in Northern Ireland, and it's been around in the UK mainland for more than ten years. So we're fairly new to the concept, and I suppose with anything new, it does take time for people to get their heads around what this is. Um, we were very lucky in Belfast City Centre to be part of the DSD funded bids academy, where six locations across Northern Ireland were taken through the process of developing a bid. We were one of the first to go to. Bal- and get our yes vote and I think since that time the other bid locations have had even stronger support because they've sort of seen well Belfast are doing it they're doing something really good there we want to get on the bandwagon and so out of all the locations all six who were part of the academy all have now got a yes vote and I can see myself other locations across Northern Ireland jumping on this very quickly. Well Chris you're not just a retailer um, who is benefiting from uh, what BID is doing for you in central Belfast, but you're actually part of the process. But I want you to concentrate on what it's doing for you and for your fellow retailers and indeed for other businesses within the city centre, because of course it's not just retailers that are involved in, in the BID process. Well, I think just from what Claire touched on there, it, it, it is quite a different concept for Northern Ireland, and it's one that's actually quite easy to get your head around, but one which is also quite daunting to get your head around at the same time. As any um, as any local business will will probably um, back me up on this, if somebody comes and knocks your door and asks for money, the first reaction is, you're not getting any, you know? But whenever you, get, you actually get delve into this and realise that what a business improvement district can do for your area and your trading environment, the concept of the bid is wonderful. You give a very small amount of money. That money then goes into a larger pot of money, which is then spent to make your trading environment better. So I think from a retailer's point of view, it's an absolute no-brainer. But I do understand how some retailers take a while for it to bed in and for them actually to understand what this concept is. You know, this isn't a tax. This is an investment in your trading environment. And it's just about breaking that down and letting them know exactly what we do. Well, Claire, you are taking that money from uh, the businesses within the central Belfast area and you're doing things for them. Give an example of what your offering is. Well, with bids, it's very, very important that from the outset you listen to what the businesses want and need. And as part of developing Belfast One, we did a lot of consultation with businesses and put together a business plan that reflects really what the businesses told us they want. And we broke that down into three 
themes, promote, enhance, support. So promoting the city centre to drive footfall, enhancing the visitor experience when they're here and supporting businesses and in some instances hopefully helping them to save money and in some cases more money than the bid levy is actually costing them in the outset. Chris, give me an idea of practically how uh, the bid Belfast won, what it's doing for your business in particular. Well, certainly if we can just touch on one point within the bid business plan there, which is the uh, the support section, and there are a lot of cost-saving initiatives around that. There's one particular initiative that I must, um, I must point out because it's actually saved me a hell of a lot of money, and that's the credit card terminal scheme that, we've, that, we've, uh, that we're using and we're promoting. It, in fact, has saved my over my two businesses the guts of £3,000 in, in one year. So if you equate that my, my bid levy is roughly 450 quid I've saved that sixfold already in that one scheme never mind the next the energy saving scheme and the waste removal scheme and that's just within one part of the bid business plan all the other bits are now extra and free for me so the promote section the the way that the bid is going to drive footfall into the town that's free and that's about me then converting that footfall into sales the enhanced side which is just a nicer trading environment and a better trading environment which will again actually come back round sort of full uh, circle into the promote end and bring more people to the town so I think it's absolutely it's wonderful the cost saving initiative alone is worth every bit of the bid levy Clara this is clearly a process that will evolve over time how do you see it uh, developing over the next number of years well I think it's really important I think with any new business you have a period of setup you have a period of finding your feet you have a period of um, what what do we do now and we're kind of in that period at the moment and and we're trying to listen to businesses and think well what else could we be doing so what I'd like to see in five years time is that we have a, a new mandate for our for our bid business plan that actually even more reflects what the businesses of Belfast need and reflects the circumstances of the city centre at that time um, I would hope that we have a very vibrant city centre in fact we do already but I would hope it would be even more vibrant at that stage um, and looking better and really ready for businesses and helping businesses to make more money. Chris, it's very obvious that you're already a satisfied customer, but what would you want to see as the priorities for Belfast One as we move forward? Well, I think firstly, it's it's about all the businesses within the area embracing the concept first, because we are better as a collective. When everybody pulls together, we all work better as a team. And, and what I mean about that is when, within certain elements of the cost-saving initiatives, they work better and you save more money the more businesses that get involved. So going forward, I would like to see, um, we probably maybe look at some sort of insurance saving scheme. We're already rolling out a hopefully world-class waste removal scheme, which is going to save many businesses an absolute fortune. Um, other than that, it's the foot, the footfalls kind of the footfall and the dressing of the city. You know, we do have a wonderful city, as Claire's already touched on, and it's lovely. But it can be better. Everything there's always room for improvement. And as a retailer and as somebody that sells clothes and sells sells products for Christmas, etc., the more people, the more feet on the street, the better. And I think anything that is being aimed towards putting people on our streets should be embraced and that's what I just want to get that message out there the businesses really need to embrace this because we're better together Chris Suter there ending that interview all about the Belfast bid now with a look at what's coming up in the week ahead here's Neil Parker from First Trust Bank 
Coming up, we'll have Eurozone GDP, which is expected to be a solid rating, but the European Commission has already warned that the economy faces new challenges in 2017 due to Brexit and the increased financial market volatility. And from the US, we'll have retail sales. I'm not sure we can read too much into these numbers, as we're now heading into holiday season for the US, and many are starting their Christmas shopping earlier and Amazon is kicking off Black Friday deals. And closer to home in the UK, inflation will be released, and the MPC has already noted that it expects inflation to shoot higher over the next few years, mainly as a result of the depreciation in sterling and the resultant rising cost of imports. The bank is of the view that sterling's impact on inflation would ultimately prove temporary. Therefore, it believes that attempting to deal with higher inflation by tightening monetary policy could prove excessively costly in terms of the foregone output and employment growth. Our startup this week is Storm Harvester. They build drainage systems to harvest rainwater, which they claim will reduce water demand in commercial developments. Hi, my name is Brian Maloney. I'm the founder of a company called Storm Harvester. Storm Harvester is an innovative new company that allows the now legally required flood prevention tanks and all new buildings to be used for rainwater harvesting systems. What are rainwater harvesting systems? These systems typically trap water off your roof and pump it back through your building for reuse through your building. They can reduce the water demand on new buildings by approximately 50%, but they're very expensive and the payback is between 10 and 15 years usually. By utilising the now required flood prevention tanks on new buildings, Storm Harvester technology can allow every new building to reduce its water demand by 50% going forward. We are effectively cutting the cost of our new rainwater harvesting system by about 90% for all new buildings. If you want to find out more, you can log on to our website www.stormharvester.com. That's it for this week. But remember, you can get in touch with me on email via Naomi at The Profit Margin. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Profit Margin. Thanks for listening. You're listening to The Profit Margin with First Trust Bank.